Let's just pray. Lord, as we come to your word, we ask that you would speak to us, encourage us. Lord, may we hear from you. Speak to each of our hearts, Lord, whether we're believers or not. And Lord, may we finish knowing that we are believers, trusting in Jesus and his wonderful grace. Amen. On the 28th of August, 1963, at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. gave his famous speech, I Have a Dream. In that relatively short speech, only at 16 minutes long, interspersed with pauses and clapping, one of the shortest speeches that has had the most dramatic impact he eloquently stirred the emotions and vision of black people in the USA, as well as many whites, to see a vision, a dream, not just of slavery being, f being outlawed, not just freedom from slavery having been put on the statutes a hundred years beforehand, but freedom from being enslaved to poverty and the lack of civil rights as well. In many states, still at that time, many privileges were for whites only. He had a dream that black people would experience life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness like others. Those words which were penned in the American Declaration of Independence. He had a dream that black and white would stand together as brothers and sisters against racism and discrimination. He had a dream that in states like Alabama and Mississippi, injustice and oppression would give way to freedom and justice. He concluded his speech by saying, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Dr. King was saddened that the Emancipation Declaration to abolish slavery had not resulted in justice and equality 100 years later. As we saw last year with Black Lives Matter marches in many countries, almost 60 years on from Dr. King's speech, we see that there's still so much work to be done to make his dream become reality. And so we wonder why is it that with so much optimism and so much activism again and again we fail to see such dreams come true. Five years after giving that speech another king the king Elvis Presley sang a song that touched his emotions more than any other song 
It's arguably one of his best or his most significant songs. With quotations, direct quotations from Dr. King's speech, the song was titled, If I Can Dream. That song was written to reflect Elvis's heartfelt concern after a discussion with some of his songwriters and others about what had just happened in recent months. Five years on from that Lincoln Memorial speech, Martin Luther King had been assassinated. And a few months later, a keen supporter of social justice, the US Senator Robert Kennedy, was also assassinated. And these two assassinations in 1968 touched people's hearts. The civil rights movement was in full swing. The country was in upheaval. Hearts were longing for change, for hope, for peace, and for justice. And so this song was written for that moment. It reflects the longing of many people down through the years. And it it reflects the longing of many people, not just in North America, but it reflects the the ache of hearts down through the centuries across the world for peace, for freedom, for hope. But not just looking forward to that dream. There was a a difference between the speech of Dr. King five years earlier where it was full of optimism The song that Elvis sang expressed exasperation and questioning as to why these things had not come to pass yet. The lyrics are include, there must be lights burning brighter somewhere. Got to be birds flying higher in a sky more blue. If I can dream of a better land where all my brothers walk hand in hand. Tell me why, oh why, oh why can't my dream come true? There must be peace and understanding sometime. Strong winds of promise that will blow away all the doubt and fear. If I can dream of a warmer sun where hope keeps shining on everyone, tell me why, oh why? why won't that sun appear? We can resonate with that aspiration, that longing for a better world. We might not question why, but we have a better faith, we have a stronger hope. The song has a sad refrain as well. Sad Not because it is not longing, but sad because it doesn't have any real substance to get us where it seeks to get us. It says, we're lost in a cloud with too much rain. We're trapped in a world that's troubled with pain. But as long as a man has the strength to dream, he can redeem his soul and fly. He can redeem his soul and fly. Those words are hopeless. We can't redeem ourselves. We can't 
break free from, history has shown we can't break free from the cycle of suffering and pain, of oppression, exploitation. We need to be saved. We need a saviour. Our hopes and our dreams are not enough. Dr. King spoke of a dream where everyone would walk hand in hand. Elvis sang, questioning why can't that dream come true? Dr. King's speech was optimistic. Elvis's song was realistic, outlining the, the doubt, outlining the, the question, why hasn't it come true? But ultimately it did not have hope. It could not change things. And yet, for all that is right and good about Dr. King's speech, his mistake was to, from how it reads, at least to myself, it, it seems to come across that he assumed that what he dreamed of could become a reality here and now. The reality he looked forward to was summarized in the words of the, the old Negro spiritual that he concluded with. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. But those words that were sung, those words that he quoted, describe the new heavens, the new earth, after Christ comes again. He looked for the reality of the new world, but here and now in the old world. As much as it is right to seek justice here and now, it's unrealistic to expect the blessings of what we will have after Christ comes again, to have them in their fullness here and now. We thank God when we have foretastes of that. We have miracles, we have healings, we have peace, we have God's blessings, but they are foretastes of what we will have completely in abundance then the Bible tells us that that will only happen once sin and suffering are cast away forever when Christ comes again the Negro slaves who sang that spiritual had a far more realistic vision than Dr. King they both had the same standards of truth and righteousness and peace But while we maintain our standards, sometimes our expectations need to be realistic. We will not achieve that in this world. We will in the next. They look forward beyond this world to the new heavens and the new earth that is spoken of in Revelation 21. Their dream was based on the guaranteed hope of the life to come they knew from experience that the full and joyful freedom that they longed for would not come this side of Christ's return as much as it ought to be here it will not happen in its fullness until Christ comes again they were looking forward to him coming again and for those who will be alive when he comes they would meet him in the air some of these mornings bright and fair I thank God I'm free at last. Going to meet King Jesus in the air. 
I thank God I'm free at last. Free at last, free at last. I thank God I'm free at last. Those words, I thank God I'm free at last, were anticipating the freedom that they would have when Christ comes again. They knew that they had to wait until then to experience that. What a vision they had. The same dream that Dr. King had, although a different time scale for its fulfillment. They had a great hope in the midst of such evil that they suffered. They weren't just looking for freedom from slavery to be freed men and freed women. They were looking forward to being free from sin and suffering and sorrow and pain as well. They were thirsty for the water of life and they knew that their thirst would only be quenched by the one who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, as he describes himself, the Lord Jesus, as he describes himself in Revelation chapter 21 here. And yet they didn't expect their dream to come true here and now. They didn't question why it didn't come true here and now. They held strongly to the conviction that it would come true, that it would be experienced, that they would be freed at last when Christ returns. Some people look forward to, to Christ's return as, as being when all injustices will be righted. And some Christians take the approach that we shouldn't be involved in social justice because that's when social justice will be righted when Christ returns. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that even though we look forward to the fullness of the blessing of Christ's new world, we should here and now uphold the rights of the the downtrodden. We should campaign for truth and justice. We should help those who are marginalised, support the poor and help the weak. According to James chapter 1, that is what godly religion is. Dr. King was right to seek that here and now, to work for that. To expect its fullness was unrealistic, but to work towards it, that's what we ought to do. That's what he ought to have done. That's what he did. We're to do good, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows, according to the Lord in Isaiah chapter 1. And that's what Jesus did when he was here on earth. He didn't just point us towards the gospel of the world to come. He healed the sick. He fed those who were hungry. And much more. We could add many more practical examples today, such as defending and protecting those who are trafficked, protecting the right to life for unborn babies, the right to life for those who are in danger of having euthanasia applied to them, the old and the ill. We should, com- we should campaign for such things. We should have big dreams of what can be done. 
but we should have our ultimate dream for when Christ returns again. We look forward to that time and we point people to that time when there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow any longer. We campaign here in part not just because it's the right thing to do, but in a sense it points forward whenever injustices are are overturned, whenever people are helped and supported. That is a, a visible window that we can see through into the world to come. That's having some of the blessings of of the world to come already here and now, even though we have not yet got the fullness of it. Dr. King had a dream. No matter who you talk to, we all have longings. But the gospel, God's word, gives us gives us a dream of all things being new. In Revelation chapter 21, we read some of the most inspiring words in the Bible. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. God's word doesn't give us a dream, a hope. It gives us the prophecy of a future reality. It's not just something that we are hoping for. It's something that we are looking forward to. It's not just a a worldly hope which is an aspiration, a nice idea. This will happen. God tells us that it will happen. No more going to hospital with terminal illness. No more loss of loved ones. No more poverty, no more fear of how you're going to make ends meet tomorrow, next week, next year. No more anxiety, no more phobias, no more mental illness. No more crime, no more war, no more terrorism. No more miscarriages of justice, no more exploitation manipulation or discrimination no more abuse no more doubt no more crying no more pain no more suffering and no more damage to the environment too God is making all things new he is preparing the way and on that day all things will be made new And what he says is trustworthy and true. All the things that have caused tears to our eyes over the years will be gone. All the things that have caused us to stress 
and sorrow will be no more. God will wipe all the tears from our eyes. That not only means that he will wipe away our tears, but in doing so he will bring a joyful smile to our eyes. Wiping away the tears from our eyes. You can't wipe away tears without replacing them with something else. And he will replace our tears with smiles of joy, smiles of peace. Free at last. We don't know whether we will remember all the pain and evil of this world. We don't know whether we'll remember the the losses, the sufferings. But if we do, it will be with a sanctified memory. A memory in which we will see how God has worked all things together for good. A memory in which we will see how all things bring glory to God. There will be no more doubt. Instead, we will have a complete and deeply rooted trust that God is good and has worked all things together for good to the praise of his glorious name. We will have no more tears, but instead we will have joy in our hearts and smiles of thankfulness and joy in our, on our faces. Imagine no more depression, no more being cast down, no more smiling on the outside while you're struggling on the inside, as so many people are. Then we will have joy in our hearts, bubbling up. We will be drinking freely from the water of life. God will wipe away our tears and will replace them with overflowing joy in our hearts. We have a dream. It will come true on that day and God will be there. The way of the world is that those who are powerful exploit those who are weak. Sin and selfishness and greed, evil and wickedness, these things characterize the world far, far too much. This is, this world, sadly, is the devil's world to a large degree. John tells us, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Paul writes similarly, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Satan, the God of this world. But Satan will not be in the world to come. He will have been cast away forever. He will be in the lake of fire. He will be under eternal punishment. Instead, God will be there. He will be with his people. And his rule will last forever. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes 
and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Mankind was once close to God, but sin then separated God and man. Mankind was then once ruled directly by God despite sin, but then more sin. Mankind rejected even God's or rule, his authority, preferring anarchy instead. Read all about it in Genesis 3 and then in Genesis chapter 4. Once we walked with God in the presence of God, but by the end of Genesis chapter 4, we read, At that time people first began to worship the Lord by name. People began to call on the name of the Lord as the ESV puts it. Up until then, people had access to God, direct access. The Lord walked with Adam in the cool of the day. The people then turned their back on God, so he withdrew from them. God has withdrawn from, from us because we have turned away from him. But when he comes again, that distance, that Withdrawal, us turning our back on him and him letting us eventually have what we want. That will be reversed. He will be there with us. We will have that closeness that, that we don't have at the minute. As much as we can know the Lord in our hearts, as much as we can pray to him and know his presence and know his power at work, we still can't talk to him face to face we still can't see his presence or experience his presence with us in the way that we will there and then when Christ comes again that distance will be gone and God himself will be there I heard a loud shout from the throne saying look God's home is now amongst his people he will live with them and they will be his people God himself will be with them. And he will comfort us. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. God himself will wipe every tear from our eyes. Imagine a young child who is having a nightmare while asleep at night. And they wake up to find that their, their mum or their dad has their arm around them, comforting them, saying, it's okay, it was only a dream. I'm here now, you're safe. Imagine that so much more. God will be there reassuring us that we're safe. We're free at last. There's no need for tears any longer. God offers us hope and he offers us a choice to choose life or to choose death. If we've had enough of the brokenness of this world well it's not enough just to hope to have a dream that it will be gone someday. Our aspiration of being free from 
the brokenness of this world is not enough to actually make us free from it. We need to choose life. We need to choose Christ. In verse 6, we read, To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. To all who are thirsty, they're called to taste and see that the Lord is good. You need to be thirsty for this new world. It's not enough to be fed up with this world. We need to want the new world. It's not enough to not want to be judged for your sins, to avoid hell and judgment. You need to positively want to be in heaven, to want holiness, want to be with the Lord. To all who are thirsty, he will freely give from the springs of the water of life. We come to him without payment, as the ESV puts it. This is a gift from God that he offers to us, but we have to accept it. If we really want this, if we want this life that God offers us, this holy life, this righteous life, not just the absence of suffering and sin but the presence of holiness and righteousness the presence of God and his people then we need to turn to him he will give us the true water of life the Holy Spirit and we will have that life welling up within us even here and now and we will have the fullness of that when he comes again a new creation, a new world, a new heavens, a restored environment, new bodies that we will never get sick again, new minds where we won't suffer mental health, there'll be no more sin, no more sorrow. We have to choose that. For all who continue in sin and who do not turn to Jesus for all who are unbelievers whether simply nice unbelievers or steeped in evil the fate is the same in varying degrees but the fate is the same eternal punishment but for all who turn to Christ there is eternal glory eternal peace eternal joy to all who wish, to all who are thirsty, just ask, just take from the water of life. Cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers and all liars. It's almost as if John could have gone on with a, a really long list. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Is that not motivation enough to turn to Christ? If we have turned to him, let's persevere in the sure hope of what is to come. All who are victorious, all who persevere, 
all who are faithful to Christ will inherit all these blessings. And Jesus says, and I will be their God and they will be my people. We have a dream. We have a wonderful vision of a world to come. It's not just a dream that we have come up with. It's a, a dream that God has put on our hearts. It's a reality which we have been told about that he will bring about. A new world where there will be nothing wrong, nothing corrupt, nothing evil, nothing sad, nothing sorrowful. There will be joy, peace, righteousness and laughter. And we are offered entry into that world simply by placing our faith in Christ, by turning from our sin and turning towards God through faith in Jesus. What a wonderful world. What a wonderful gospel. This dream cannot come true simply by us wishing for it. It will come true, though, if we place our faith in Christ. Let's therefore persevere in faith, in love and in hope. Let's hold on to this gospel vision, this dream that we have been given, this sure hope that it will come about, where there will be people from all colours, all backgrounds, all abilities, all cultures, all languages, all nations, worshipping together as one people in glory, being blessed by the Lord, where there will be a warmer sun that shines on everyone, when we will be free at last, free at last by God's grace. Let's praise him and thank him for that day that is still to come. If you haven't trusted in the Lord, do it now. If you have, praise him and keep looking forward. Lord, we thank you for such a wonderful message. We thank you for your love for us, that you are preparing a place for all who turn to you. We thank you for the simplicity of the gospel that anyone who asks, anyone who wishes, anyone who is thirsty, they may take from the water of life freely. Lord, we have nothing in our hands to bring, simply to the cross we cling. And Lord, we look forward because you have given us a hope. We look forward to when we will be there, not only when there will be no more sin or sorrow or pain, but Lord, when we will be there with you, that you will be our God and we will be your people and you will live with us and we will live with you forever. What a wonderful dream. What a wonderful hope. What a wonderful gospel. In Jesus' name. Amen.